Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, one of your co-hosts. And of course, joining me is your other co-host, James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire on USA Today. And Jay, happy Thanksgiving week. It's good to see you. Good to be here with you. Hoping that we can link up while you're on your visit here to North Florida. But You know, on the downside, we do have to talk about this embarrassing performance from the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, you know, before we get into that, as I mentioned, it's good to see you and uh, definitely thankful that uh, at least we get to podcast about this terrible team and, you know, and we're in good health. So I guess we can't be too upset, although I was pretty upset on Sunday. I can definitely tell you that. Yeah, man, the Jaguars will make you forget the things to be thankful about, like just dealing with. And it it didn't hit me until Joe Cullen had his press conference today, him and Daryl Bevel, who we'll talk on. We'll probably talk on both of them. But uh, Cullen, you know, he he opens up with a statement, right? And he'll say like, hey, you know, this year um, or or for this particular uh, opening, he opened up by saying like, you know, hey, let's all be thankful for what we have. You know, like I'm thankful to be coaching in the NFL and I'm paraphrasing here. I'm thankful to be a coach in the NFL and being able to witness this game and you know, you guys get to cover it. Like, so when he put that into perspective, like I thought about that myself, I was like, yeah, man, like we do get to cover the game that we grew up loving. And it's sometimes they don't sit in and sometimes the Jaguars suck. And then they make us forget that, like we're actually covering something that we love and a team that that's near and dear to us. So, uh, you know, that's what I'm thankful for and, and thankful to have a, a co-host like yourself. Um, I mean, even though you do go and you know, take care of your business on OnlyFans every now and then and leave me hanging. But at the same time, like, I'm still thankful you're here when you're here, you know, the few times that you are here to support me. And, um, yeah, <laughs> that being said, man, I'm ready rude. to get on. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'm ready to get on with this episode. I got a feeling we might be doing a little ranting here and expressing a lot of disappointment here, but nonetheless, thankful to do it. And um, as always, thankful for the audience and uh, appreciate them rating, commenting, subscribing and um, all of the other support that they show us. Yeah, this episode is going to be a little bit more straightforward here. But Jay, to kind of talk about what Joe Cullen was saying, he said, happy and festive Thanksgiving. We have a lot to be grateful for all of us. We get to coach this great game. And you guys, this is your livelihood in terms of reporting on a great game. There's nothing like it. But we have to just be grateful and thankful for what we have. (laughs) So I don't know if that's the tone in which he said it, but that's the tone in which I read it as far as his statement there for Thanksgiving. (laughs) So that's how I heard it in my head. I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, and again, you know, Joe Cullen doesn't understand covering the Jaguars is a different animal. You know, you lose years (laughs) off of your life covering the Jaguars. It's It's not covering. Right. You're not covering the Packers the Patriots or whatever the case may be. Uh, But no, it's still thankful to do it, man. Exactly. And as Jay mentioned, we thank all of you that have gone out of your way 
and left us a review on Apple Podcasts. It is one of the best ways you can support the show. So if you find yourself listening on your Apple device, please consider heading over there and leaving us that five-star review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Amazon Music. Of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the Believe Podcast library. You can follow the show on Twitter at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is at SportsGrind underscore Don. And of course, make sure you keep up with the JaguarsWire.usatoday.com for all of your up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news. And then, of course, before we begin, we have to give a shout out to our sponsor, Bet Online, because it's Thanksgiving and we all know what that means football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. Bet Online has you covered all holiday season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to receive your bonus. And it's not just football either. Bet Online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. And all right, Jay, with all the housekeeping out of the way, let's get into this. Just abysmal performance from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, they lose to the San Francisco 49ers 30-10. to And it was a game that we didn't necessarily expect to get this out of hand, I think. I believe it was you, Jay, that said your score prediction was relatively close. But, I mean, they're down 20-3 to at halftime. And, of course, you know, it just never got any closer at that point. And I don't know what it was, Jay. And I was talking to you about this before we even started and I even put this tweet out there. There was just something about this game on Sunday being in attendance that just really upset me. I don't know if it was the weather or the fact that, you know, the Niners are doing 12, 13 minute drives and I'm watching boring football and in an inept offense that's unable to move the ball. And, you know, there was some annoying 49ers fans sitting next to me and all that. I don't know what it was, but something about this loss just really made me angry. You know, now we're sitting at two and eight and. Do we know that this team is bad and they are going to have a lot of losses? Absolutely. But it gets to a point now where we're just not seeing the progress that we need to see. And we're going to talk about that the fact that maybe some changes need to be made here, Jay. So what were your thoughts when we were just watching this stinker of a game on Sunday? Yeah, well, to answer your question, yeah, you, you pretty much hit some of it on the head. It's probably that, you know, the 49ers, when they play the game that they should be playing, they play this slow, lethargic type of game where they have these long, long drives. People forget Kyle Shanahan is the son of Mike Shanahan. And, you know, we get caught up in this whole thing of like, you know, Kyle Shanahan being the offensive mastermind. But when they play their game and what they want to do and they don't veer away from that, and I think a lot of 49ers fans will tell you this, is the reason they aren't where they want to be now or they have the record that they have is that some people, at least, that I've talked to feel like Shanahan has kind of veered away from the run game and veered away from, you know, controlling the clock and this, that, and the other. Well, these last two weeks against the Rams, we saw that, and we saw it against the Jets. So they play this slow, lethargic type of football when they're on. We can all remember Mike Shanahan had Terrell Davis, right, the the Georgia, the former Georgia Bulldogs. So that being said, that'll irritate you. When you're watching a 12-minute, 10-minute drive, And your team, by the way, your team, which we'll talk about the defensive side too, your team keeps bailing them out on third down. That'll irritate you. 
And not only that, and this is not to knock Jaguars fans or anything like that. We don't do that on this podcast. Not only that, but you're dealing, like you said, with 49ers fans around you, and they're doing all of this hooting and hollering and cheering for their team. And, you you know, it's kind of just like, dang, I wish that was me instead. Yeah, they so, traveled. They traveled you know, really well. It was it, it was um, right. It was pretty bad. I will say that. And again, I don't we're right. not blaming the fans here for that whatsoever. We all know that winning will cure everything. But it was pretty lopsided. It was comparable to the Bills game. It was pretty bad. Right. I will say this, too. How many of those 49er fans are from San Francisco? You know, how many of those fans have gone to a game in San Francisco? You know, how many of those fans? Right. You know, so like this is a lot of like you could be looking at a case where it's a lot of casual fans. And I'm not saying that the 49er fan base is made up of casual fans. But, you know, these were people that were, you know, in the area, Orlando, you know, Pensacola, Tallahassee. That, you know, casual 49ers fans, hey, you know, let's go get these $30 seats, you know, and, and check out the 49ers in, in Jacksonville. Meanwhile, you have a Jaguars fan base that is upset with Shah Khan. So they're not, you know, showing up as much as, uh, you know, these uh, the fan bases of uh, these other teams. But yeah, man. So in terms of my, my top takeaway, you know, we'll just speed it up a little bit here, man. It's just... You know, I was watching that game and the more and more I watched it and people would be like, oh, you're just now coming to the, you know, grips with this. But yeah, man, Daryl Bevel is just not the answer, man. Like, I mean, you talked about that earlier. The conversation we had, right, was this. How many games of James Robinson getting the ball 17 times a game do we see before it's like, okay, enough is enough. That's how we kind of dressed it up as. But now James Robinson is a little hurt and that's a, a different story for another time. But it's not even that anymore because, you know, I can understand why James Robinson isn't getting a lot of carries or whatever the case may be. But, you know, like I think for me, like one thing I looked at and I kind of reflected back on with the um, the offense from last year, I think it was Jay Gruden that was our coordinator, right? Uh, last year, if I can recall. Um, and just looking at like how he did a better job, at least of catering the scheme to what he had. And it feels like that's not being done here or the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's what most, and it's not a master plan. Most coaches have come to grips. This is not 1990. This is not the early 2000s. Whatever players you get me, I'll, I'll cater my scheme to those players now. Back in the day, you used to have to learn the coach's scheme. You used to have to learn this coordinator scheme, that coordinator scheme, this, that, and the other. And it feels like that's what's being done here. You know, like I was watching... And, you know, some of this falls on LaVisca, too. I was watching, you know, old clips of LaVisca and how he was getting open because Jay Gruden was motioning him and, you know, moving him around and trying him at different positions, this, that, and the other. They were trying to get him involved in the game and, and whatnot. And it feels like it's a little less of, uh, less of that with this team and the players that Bevel has on the team currently. And, and that being said, man, like, I guess I, I just it, – it was a – I hit that boiling point, right? At the point where it was like, yeah, the season can't end fast enough so we can maybe see Urban Meyer. And hopefully that's what happens. Um, Moves on from this guy for the sake of Trevor Lawrence. Just, you know, for the sake of uh, the fans in general, like we deserve or the fans deserve to see a much more, you know, watchable offense. I mean, like you look and this is the crazy part, right, Phil? You know, people will say like this offense and this defense and this roster in general lacks talent. And I think we all agree on that. But at the same time, I do feel like Daryl Bevel could be doing better with what he has. He has Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick, 
we've talked about how Ben Barch had three straight weeks of scoring over a 75 on PFF. You got a good lineman there. You had Brandon Linder for a little bit, one of the best centers in the game. Andrew Norwell isn't playing bad. He's arguably the best offensive lineman on the team. Cam Robinson, I'm having conversations in my head if we should extend Cam Robinson because he's been playing pretty good. So, you know, people will say, oh, well, the offensive line is there. Well, those guys are, again, top 20-ish type of offensive line. You can work with that. You know, in my opinion, you got a guy in Dan Arnold who's tremendous after the catch. He didn't even get a catch in this game. Ask me how that happens. I don't know. Um, You know, LaVisca Chenault, again, not the best separator, not the best for ISO situations. So, okay, move him around and free him up. Find a way to free him up. Now, look, he has to catch the ball. That's been disappointing. You, that's nothing that's, that's out of Hold on to the ball, too. Right. That's Daryl Bevel's. That's out of Daryl Bevel's control. But the other things of getting him free, you know, that that's something that Daryl Bevel can help with. Some, you know, I came to grips with, I, you know, that it's probably time to move on from Daryl Bevel when the season is over, especially like it's probably not going to get better with Jamal Agnew not there anymore. Like this is just going to be unbearable to watch at this point. And again, James Robinson is dealing with some injuries. So that was my top takeaway. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear it. Yeah, like you said, the remainder of the season is just going to be so tough. And you just hate that for Jamal Agnew. And, you know, between them not being able to move the football, you know, they're, it seems like maybe they're trying to scheme LaVisca open. You know, and it's frustrating, too, because in, in our buddy Eric was pointing this out as well. Use... LaVisca Chenault, the way that the 49ers are moving around Debo Samuel, like the blueprint is literally right in front of you. And for some reason, you're refusing to do it. And like we said, yes, he needs to hold on to the football. And, you know, if he's not going to get separation, then get him involved other ways because it's not like anybody else is making plays. James Robinson is hampered. I mean, 12 carries, 29 yards. But how much is that really on him? Because he's, he's not necessarily 100%. So, you know, Marvin Jones, four catches, 52 yards. Like you said, the, the fact that Dan Arnold doesn't even get a catch is just baffling to me. And, you know, you're relying on guys like, uh, you know, we, we did praise Laquan Treadwell last week, of course, because of his blocking and, uh, you know, the great catch he has. But also, you're not going to want to depend on Tavon Austin and Laquan Treadwell in 2021 to make plays for you. It's just not the case. And I don't know if, again, like you said, Jay, I don't know if it's scheming. I don't know if it's just poor coaching or just a combination of all the above and the lack of talent. I don't know what it is, but Daryl Bevel is certainly not it. And I think you and I have been relatively supportive of him and saying, seeing how this thing plays out. Because again, there have been bits and pieces where it's like, uh, we say this, I feel like almost every single week where we see something that looks pretty good and maybe they're starting to put it together. And then they come out and they have a stinker like that in front of your home crowd who is growing increasingly upset myself included, and honestly doesn't feel like watching the product. Jay, keep this in mind. Eric and I thought about this while we were at the game. He and I have to watch this team three weeks in a row in person. We watch the 49ers game. We're going to the Falcons game, of course, on Sunday. And then we are traveling to LA to watch them probably get annihilated by the Rams. Usually you have to take from a break from seeing this team live. You know what I mean? Like, we're, and we're putting ourselves through it three weeks in a row at culminating in what may be a really ugly game in LA. So, you know, maybe it was the fact that I was thinking about just watching this team for three weeks straight and being frustrated. And again, maybe it was the weather and the, and the 49ers fans, but I just came away from this thing kind of sick of it, to be honest with you. And, you know, it's our job to cover this team. And I love this team, but there gets a point where you just need a break. And, you know, we're getting to that point here late in the season with, you know, what, seven games left. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's they're just exhausting. Even they, they, I feel like they would be exhausting even for people like like Amia O'Brien, who may not necessarily have been a Jaguars fan coming up. Like, uh, you know, I think Demetrius was a Jaguars fan, a Jaguar fan coming up. I think it's even exhausting for those people because, again, like they just basically lack playmaking ability, and it's the same thing over and over. Pretty much it's like a repeated pattern of stuff, regardless of who you put in the front office and regardless of who you put it with the coaching staff. Uh, But, you know, again, I do think that with the right changes, because we do seem to think that Urban Meyer is going to stick around for at least two years unless he quits. With the right changes, you get the right offensive coordinator. Uh, This thing can work, you know, uh, or offensive coordinator that's going to more so gravitate towards what he has. And of course, a big part of it too is going to have to be, and that's a conversation for the offseason. They're going to have to really, really add some talent to this team. Again, we've said that many times. Like it's is they need various alphas. And not only that though, when you look at this receivers core, I can make the argument that they need four receivers and you know maybe keep Agnew, maybe, maybe keep Marvin Jones, but he hasn't been all that impressive these last few weeks, but at least keep, you know, Agnew. Uh, but the guys that, you know, the, the top one, two, three guys, you might need to fill out that in terms of the receiving court, which is that's crazy. That's absurd because Dave Caldwell flourished at getting receivers when he was here. Now, he his thing was he couldn't keep them, right? <laughs> but, but in terms of getting them here, he could do that. So, you know, that's another story for another time, man. But, um, you know, hopefully – this team makes the moves that needs to be made when the, the season is over. I mean, to me, firing Urban Meyer is the right move too. But if you're going to keep him, you know, you have to make the right decisions in terms of the assistance that you're going to replace these guys with because they simply aren't getting it done. If you told me, Jay, in the beginning of the year that the Jaguars would have to potentially look to replace DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, and Marvin Jones Jr., I would have said, you're crazy. There's no way. Because that's how much we believed in this receiving core. And we talked about this on Sunday, Jay. And again, maybe this has to do with just in-the-moment frustration. But for how much we have defended LaVisca Chenault to this point now where it's just like, maybe he's just not it. Maybe he needs to settle. Eric, I have to shout out Eric again. Maybe he needs to settle into some sort of Cordero Patterson role. Maybe that is what uh, LaVisca Chenault is. Maybe he's not a traditional receiver. I, I mean, I feel like we've probably seen enough to know that he's not. And he needs to be used in different ways. Maybe that's what they need to do with LaVisca Chenault. And honestly, I wouldn't be mad at it. But at the same time, isn't that also why you have Travis Etienne, who you're expecting to come back full strength next year, too? So does that mean LaVisca is the odd man out? Maybe. I don't know. But again, if you told me that the top three guys would need to be replaced here going into the season, I would not have believed you. And I would have said you're absolutely insane. Right, right. And, you know, like that that's my personal opinion is that that's possible. That's a possibility that that's needed. Um, You know, maybe with the right offensive coordinator, you get DJ Chark back and he can play at the Pro Bowl level that we've seen him play at in the um past. Maybe you get the right offensive coordinator and LaVisca looks more like he did last year as opposed to this year. But, you know, I think like Daryl Bevel's kind of made that, made that fuzzy of that, you know, that decision on who should be kept and who shouldn't be kept in terms of that receiver's core. And, like, I'm just at the point now where it's like, I mean, revamp the top three, 
you know, at this point, you know, based off of how it's worked under Daryl Bevel. But, you know, maybe the changes at at the, you know, assistant coordinator level and the, you know, all of that, you know, the coaches level, maybe that can help those guys become better. But still, regardless of if you change coordinators, though, you still need to at the least go into this situation this offseason, uh, whether that's Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson or um, Devontae Adams, you have to throw whatever money that's possible to throw at them, whatever is necessary to get them to come here, because ultimately it's about Trevor Lawrence, keeping him happy and getting him the best available resources. And what says that better than paying a receiver a ridiculous amount of money in free agency. And the three guys I mentioned are, you know, they're, they're pretty worthy of, um, you know, getting a big time paycheck and chances are, you know, just based off of what we've seen from them in the past, they can make it work. Uh, especially Adams, of course, like Adams, his, his body work speaks for itself. And Allen Robinson as well, who has been one of the more underrated guys in terms of uh, at the receiving position in the NFL. Yeah, and the thing is, Jay, also like started recruiting those guys starts throughout the entire season. Like they're going to want to see something like, oh, they're building something here in Jacksonville. Like, uh, you know, a, a la t- going into 2017. I know we bring that up a lot. But it's the only point of success that we have to reference in like 30 years other than back in the 90s and a brief stint in the early 2000s. So you got to establish and maybe they're doing that on the defensive side of things where someone will see, oh, hey, you know what? That defense is getting better. And with, you know, if you add me or if you add a couple other pieces that maybe I can recruit, then maybe we, we can make a run at this, you know? So, you know, when you throw out those names like that, it's, you also have to think to yourself, why would they want to come here? And you hope that it's at least Trevor Lawrence. So you want to see Trevor continue to make strides going forward for the end of the year. But, you know, it's it's just getting frustrating to see. And honestly, like like I said, Jay, when you get to this point of the season, it just gets tough to watch this team, not only from a journalistic standpoint, but also from a fan standpoint, because it's just so frustrating to watch and you're not seeing the improvement you want to see. And, you know, as far as frustrations as well, obviously, Rayshon Jenkins showed a lot of frustration early on in the game, you know, of course, because he was thrown out due to a personal foul penalty in the first half. And, you know, that's kind of our other takeaway here, Jay. I mean, it is, you know, we did want to kind of go with a defensive takeaway, but also it's just the lack of discipline and leadership. Rayshon Jenkins is a captain. He is a team captain, and he was brought in here to be a locker room leader. And that is what they heavily emphasized heading into this thing. Shaq Griffin and Rayshon Jenkins are going to lead the defense along with Miles Jack and Josh Allen. And it reminds me, it reminded me of, remember back when Miles Jack first became a captain, Jay, and we played the Kansas City Chiefs and Miles Jack did something stupid as well and got tossed out of the game. And, you know, since that time, you can definitely say that Miles Jack has matured a lot and he's definitely a leader on this team. And I don't know if Rayshon Jenkins was ever a captain before. Forgive me, I, I don't have that information handy. I don't know if he was a captain in, in Los Angeles where uh, I believe like he, he came from the Chargers, but that's not captain's mentality. I, I know tensions run high, and I'll never know what it's like to be in that type of physical setting. I won't ever know that. It's something I won't even come close to knowing. But again, if you are going to be heralded as a leader of this football team, you can't do stupid stuff like that, and it's really frustrating. And again, I think that really did contribute to me just being in the, kind of a, a crappy mood throughout the game. So again, Jay, lack of discipline, lack of leadership, all of that kind of goes into our second takeaway here. Yeah, and I'll say this too, you know, Rayshon dating back to, uh, I think he went to the University of Miami and then his time with the Chargers. 
one thing that has been known about him is that he has uh, he walks and talks like a leader. He's the most vocal guy you're going to hear on the field. Uh, you kind of saw that in Miami, if I can recall, when I watched his stuff in Miami. That was so long ago, so forgive me if I'm wrong on that. Very vocal guy then. Very vocal guy with the Chargers. I can remember seeing mic'd up sessions with him where, you know, he's, you know, just talking noise to anybody he could find. But, yeah, man, you can't, you know what I'm saying? You you can't help your team on the sideline. Or in this case, I guess they send you to the locker room. You can't help your team in the locker room, you already know that this is a defense that's young. Uh, this is a, a team that can't make many mistakes, right? And you can't put them in that situation by removing yourself from the game. Some people <laughs> some people said the referees did the Jags a favor by getting him out of the game and getting a better safety in the game. Yikes. I'm not going to go there. But, yeah, I, I saw that tweet, and I just laughed my behind off, man. That was hilarious. Um, but but for the simple fact that you wear that captain patch on your jersey, you got to handle yourself a little bit better. And now, look, I don't know what uh, Juwan – I think it was Juwan Jenkins that he was in the tussle with. Juwan I don't Jennings. Know, yeah. Juwan Jennings. I don't know what he said to him, but you got to feel like he didn't say anything too out of the way or too triggering because the referees in there listening to that as well. Right. We've seen we've I think we covered this story in the past. Right. Marquise Lee. Right. Phil, I think this was back in the Jags then day. Shout outs to Jacob DeLawrence. Marquise Lee got flat for using the N word. So what I'm saying, I said all of this to say this is he didn't say I don't think Jenny said anything too out of the way because the referee would have flagged him, too. You know, it would have been a double flag type of thing. So. Whatever he said to trigger Rayshon Jenkins, now that I'm thinking about it, it probably wasn't worthy of slapping him or whatever the case may be. And I, I hate to say this, Phil, but if you're that triggered, and I probably shouldn't say this, you're that triggered by what somebody says, don't make your teammates pay for it, right? Tell them, tell them meet me after the game. You know, you could do whatever you want after the game. If it triggered you that much, don't bring your teammates into it and hurt them. Say meet me after the game. We see we see Malik Jackson brawl after the game. That was in Arizona. I remember that game. That was crazy. Right. Man. But whatever the case may be, man. But don't hurt your teammates and start acting like a captain, man. And not that. Not only that, man. All of the money you're making, man. You're not even, you know. And I hate to do this to the guy, man. Like it's not translating in terms of the performance on the field either, man. Yeah. So it'd be one thing if he was out here playing at a Pro Bowl level, but he's he's not. And th that's the thing, too, we've said. I, I mean, and listen, every every criticism we have is about the play on the field. Rayshon Jenkins, for all intents and purposes, is a high-energy and high-character person that we have no reason to believe otherwise. We can see, you know, we can... Jay, I think you and I can definitely be a good judge of character. I think between the two of us, we have a good idea of who is who is, who is not a good person. But... The play in the field, Rayshon Jenkins, his signing was heralded as a, you know, as a top tier A plus signing. And it's not as far as the football in the field. It's, it's just not. So for him to be to, to do something like this, and like you said, put the team in a position like this. It's not a good look based off of him already struggling. I mean, there's a clip floating around out there. I mean, granted, Debo Samuel's a great receiver, but there's that clip floating around out there of Rayshon just being completely lost on an out route from Debo Samuel. And Debo Samuel is going to do that to a lot of people. But also at the same time, coupled with the way that the rest of your day went and that, not a good look. And not only that, it came on third down. 
You know what I'm saying? It came. Yeah, they I, got the stop. That was the, that was the thing that really upset. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Your teammates are hustling and bustling there behind to get the offense off of the field and making the necessary moves and making the necessary tackles. If I can recall, I have to look back at it. I think Dewey Wingard came all the way from center field to make that that tackle. And look, I know a lot of people aren't the highest on Dewey Wingard, and I agree that Aaron Jerry Cisco needs more playtime. He actually got some. But, you know, I know a lot of people ain't going to like it when I praise Dewey Wingard, but what we say in this podcast all the time, we're going to call a spade a spade. When somebody makes a play, we're going to call it out. Regardless of what the Twitterverse says or what the rest of the fan base says, we're going to call it out. And when you're playing bad, which we do, and which we're doing with Jenkins, we're going to call that out too. Uh, so, yeah, I think Dewey Wingard, if I can recall, came from the middle of the field and made that play on uh, Debo Samuel, stopped him for a loss, actually. And it was only, I think, third and two. And then he negated. And then he negated the other one. I think he held George Kittle on a play before that. He negated a third down there. So, you know, at some point, you have to pay, you got, you have to play like a guy that's being paid what you're being paid. And you also have to be the leader that the team believes you could be when they gave you that captain patch. And we're not seeing neither one of those because again, like these aren't the only taunting penalties that Rayshon has had. If you look back at the London game, he got two. Now look, you know, I know some of this stuff is ticky tack and the referees should, should like lay off with some of this stuff, but how hard is it to simply tackle the person Go back to your huddle, call it a day. You know, if they if they're gonna make the rules that way, then okay, then keep some more money in your pocket, tackle the person, go back into your huddle. Uh, and, and you know what I'm saying? Like instead of directing whatever you want to direct towards the opponents, you know, direct that towards your teammates. Prep up your teammates, dap up your teammates, headbutt each other. You know, you don't have to direct whatever actions towards the ops all the time. And you know, that's a way that you can maybe. Save yourself some yardage, save yourself some flags, and definitely save yourself some money. Yeah, you know, defensively, of course, we have definitely praised the team over the last couple of weeks. They've had some outstanding performances, and of course, you want to highlight how Josh Allen and Dewan Smoot are playing, and you know, when dumb mistakes like what Rayshon did are happening, and you know, a lot of just really questionable penalties and shooting yourself in the foot, it's like, Listen, you're already a team that's devoid of talent. Why are you making it even more difficult for you to win the game? It's just, I, I don't understand. And again, if they're going to be sticking with Urban Meyer for the long term, which we, you know, whatever Urban Meyer's long term is, which is like three or four years. But I mean, if that's going to be the case, then yeah, it's going to take some changes on, on both sides of the ball. You know, we talked about, of course, Daryl Bevel definitely need to make a change on that side. But, you know, we'll see what happens on the defensive side as well. Jay, go ahead. Yeah, and as crazy as it sounds, you know, I feel like the defense could get back or close to what we saw against Buffalo and, you know, what we saw the week after. I think they can get back to what, you know, we saw from there. And, you know, especially this weekend, I, I yeah, expect yeah. them to have a big day this Sunday. Right. Right. You look at the opponents they have, they definitely can. And they can work with what they have for the rest of the year and look serviceable, look decent. And, you know, when we speak on these coaching changes, you know, like it's crazy. Because we didn't say anything about Joe Cullen, you know, like he's the guy here we, we're seeing here want to keep, you know, like, I mean, we already liked him to begin with. But, you know, when you look at Joe Cullen, it's not the same situation as Daryl Bevel. Um, you know, you, you get a sense that Joe Cullen catered what he was going to do more so to the players he had. And as a as a result, it's paying off now a little bit. 
in some way, shape or form that are looking better. And now it's crazy because, you know, we thought the offense would be leading the way under Daryl Bevel's leadership. And here we are talking about, hey, Joe Cullen has some salvageable, uh, salvageable piece on his defense and this, this, uh, co- uh, this coaching staff, should I say. Of course, I mean, yeah, like like Bevel, he also needs some alphas over there. But when he gets to those guys, Joe Cullen might be a force to be reckoned with. You know, yeah. if he can get a Calais Campbell or a Malik Jackson or, you know, a, a elite cornerback. Yeah, listen, not to look too far ahead here, Jay, and then we'll wrap up. There are three games here remaining on the schedule where Jacksonville has to show some significant improvement because they're, they're playing pretty bad teams. The Falcons this weekend... Houston, who, of course, yes, they did lose to earlier in the year. But since then, I mean, Houston's just been a dumpster fire. I mean, losing 40 to nothing to the Bills, 31 to three to the Houston Texans. They beat the Titans, though, bro. They did beat the Titans. That's true. (laughs) The Titans are the weirdest team in the NFL, man. I don't know what the hell's going on with them. Uh, And then they lost to the Cardinals, 31 to five. You got to play well against them. And then you got to play well against the Jets, who are who who knows who the quarterback is going to be. By the time we get to December 26th for the New York Jets, I don't know what the heck's going on over there. They have to play well against other bad teams. You have to establish yourself. Yeah, we're bad, but we're better than these <laughs> these teams that are worse than us. So as far as the Rams game, Titans, Patriots, Colts, those are all playoff teams, probably teams you're going to struggle against. But those three games, this upcoming Sunday, Houston, and then the Jets, you have to come in and especially the offensive side of the football, it's, they got to get going. And, you know, of course, uh, being healthy will help that a lot as well, you know, as far as James Robinson goes. But it gets to the point, guys, in this, if you've been with us for a while between the Jags den and then the last couple of years with this, you know that once it gets to this part of the season and the team isn't playing well, there's not really much else that can be done. You guys know what needs to be fixed. We've told you and you and you had other people tell you what needs to be fixed. And unfortunately, it's just kind of a war of attrition at this point. We just have to wait the season out and hope that they get better going forward. But, Jay, anything else you want to let people know to look forward to, not only here in the podcast, but, of course, over on The Wire, and then we'll get out of here. Nah, that's it, man. You know, we'll just keep tabs. I'll try my best, but like you said, I'm I'm here for Thanksgiving, so it's a lot of family-related stuff that I'm taking care of. But I'll try and do my best and get some more content up on the Falcons and, you know, kind of previewing them and what we know about them and doing behind enemy lines and keys to victories to beating the Falcons and this, that, and the other. But beside that, man, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, everybody, again, thank you so much for supporting the show. We appreciate it. If you are listening on your Apple device, please consider heading on over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Amazon Music. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. Follow the show on Twitter at Believe in Jags Pod. Find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Jay is at sportsgrind underscore Don. And of course, you can check the jaguarswire.usatoday.com for all of your up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news. Of course, this episode is coming out the Friday after Thanksgiving, so we hope you all had a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for listening to Believe in the Jaguars presented by Bet Online. Don't forget to believe in the Jags, but more importantly, believe in yourselves, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.